0: This show was created for you, the broken Catholic who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. BC Nation, what happens when the devil attacks your strength and shapes it into a weakness? JD, Danny McCabe, maintained a loving relationship with his wife for nearly 20 years before the underpinnings of their marriage, family, and world began, began to crumble. Their foundation had always been rooted in the mantra that trust is the bedrock of a healthy relationship. Indeed, his wife had always claimed things wouldn't, couldn't work without trust. But one day, for reasons Danny could not fathom, his wife became suspicious of his every move. Phone calls, text messages, and work emails were manufactured into proof of infidelity, drug addiction, and a network of lies. Now, for any of you listening right now that have ever been falsely accused, false accusations, been attacked by the enemy through that, I know I have in my life many times in relationships, you're really going to want to listen to this show. And this isn't a show that's going to just be all negative. This is a show of going from struggle to triumph through the grace of God. Mm. So JD's wife uh, enlisted her mother into her efforts and together they forged the words of family, trust, and honesty into a metaphorical hammer and beat JD into the ground. Their accusations accumulated, twisting reality and eventually resulting in Danny's involuntary, involuntary hospitalization. So today my guest is J.T. McCabe. Uh, he is the author of The Third Gift. You can find him at thethirdgift.com. Uh, J.D., welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and just take 60 seconds uh, and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, Joseph, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's a privilege to you know, be on your top-rated podcast. So thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Um, I think the intro covered a lot of it. We were... Um, In a very happy, stable marriage for 17 years. And, you know, right at the mark of the 17th wedding anniversary is when the accusations of infidelity began. And then shortly thereafter, it was um, accusations around drug addiction. And a lot of that was prompted by some unexpected weight loss that I began to experience um, in the spring of 2014, when I suddenly, in less than six weeks, lost 35 pounds. I started working out a little bit, but initially I thought that was the reason for the weight loss. And then it was, 40 pounds and it was 45 pounds. And then ultimately um, that further strengthened her accusations of infidelity and drug addiction. And she got her mom involved and on board and turned her into what they call a negative advocate. And she quickly began the verbal assaults as well. And, and these mm. skepticism speculation that there was something going on with me. Got it.
0: All right. So let's Before we get into that story, and we're going to go into it, and we're going to go deep, and BC Nation, as you're listening, um, I'd like you to grab a pen and paper, um, because I believe JD is going to reveal, um, through his story, some gold nuggets of wisdom for you. And you're going to possibly hear your story within his. That's why I do this show. I do this show so that you can hear the struggles that you have right now in your life. You're not the only one. You're not alone in it. Others are going through it. Others have gone through it. Others have come out the other side. So I do this show that you can, one, not feel alone, but feel that you're part of a human family, a body of Christ. And two, that you can feel that you're going to be okay. And what's missing right now, possibly, is your full trust and reliance and leaning and falling upon God when you have nothing, you have no more strength, you just can't go on anymore. It's that stripping away of self. It's that dying to self where we need God desperately because we ran out of us. So if you're in that place, be encouraged, be encouraged. You're not alone. And God didn't leave you alone. He didn't abandon you. He's right there with you. You got to look for him though. Mm -hmm. You got to lean into him. So JD, before we get into the story, take a minute, share something personal about you uh, that very few people in your business life actually know.
1: Uh, in my, in my business life. And, and so I, I would think probably very few people know that I spent nine days in a, in a psychiatric facility other than colleagues that are very close to me. And I think similarly, there would be other business colleagues that have no idea the depths of darkness that uh, I experienced over the four or five years of, of our marriage crumbling and all the different turn turns of events that took place. So yeah. I, I hid that from a lot of people. So but, I get
0: but- that. And I get why you would hide that, right? Cause that could be like, uh, you know, bad perceptions that could close off career opportunities, etc. Right. right. Plus right. you're human. You don't want to be rejected. Like right. nobody does. Right. So right. I really get that. Thank you for being real and open about that. That takes a lot of courage. I acknowledge you for that. All right, let's get into it. So I want to go back in time prior to the marriage. Yep. Um, let's just start like describe real quick. Um, your family life. What was life like as a child? Really quick. Were you raised in a home with faith? Uh, Was God present? um, What denomination and um, take us right through to high school to up until meeting uh, your wife at the time. So really brief story. Go for it.
1: I will try to compress it. Yeah. I was, uh, I was uh, raised in a family of nine, a Catholic family. So mom and dad were devout practicing Catholics. I was an altar boy. Um, You know, so I had the full Catholic experience growing up and through, you know, through high school and, Um, I've always been a man of, man of faith. Certainly the faith has gotten much, much stronger as a result of the adversity I experienced, but, uh, six boys, three girls, um, very large Catholic at times, dysfunctional family. Um, was an amateur fighter in high school for a while, fought golden gloves for a few years, uh, until the weight came on. And then I decided I didn't want to get hit by the bigger boys. So I, I got out of it. Uh, but no, childhood was, was, I had a very happy childhood and a childhood surrounded by faith and, uh. You know, a lot of love from my brothers and sisters.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And you, you maintain your faith in high school and in, into college. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Um, actually, kind of rare <laughs> nowadays, right? I think college is when something like eighty percent of young people uh, give up their faith.
1: Well, when right. you have an Irish Catholic mother, you don't you don't have a choice.
0: <laughs> and there's that dysfunction you mentioned, right? Yeah, I'm just kidding.
1: But no, no, she they, they they led by example. They were excellent role models to follow. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah. All right, so how'd you come to meet
1: your wife? Met her playing uh at a, playing in a slow pitch softball league. So at the time that I that I met her, uh, I wasn't I wasn't looking for anything. I was 26. I was just beginning my my career. I was having fun doing what I wanted to do with the boys and and coaching my younger brother's basketball team. So it was all about me. And then I, I met her playing playing on a slow pitch softball team. One of her girlfriend's husbands at the time played on the team. And that's, that's how we were introduced. So it was a brief introduction that night. And then we we reconnect about three months later. Got it. And so, what did
0: you fall in love with in her? What did she possess that you were like, I got to, this is my gal, man.
1: Yeah, she was, she was very attractive. She was a beautiful woman. Um, she was very fiery. Um so I remember the the first time that we I ran into her again after not talking to her for for 3 months we ran in I ran into her at in a watering hole in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania and you know tried the old line that I you know I I the meaning to call you and of course her response back to me was I haven't been sitting by the phone waiting. So uh you know so I was attracted to her fieriness, I was attracted to her compassion and animals um and uh, at the time her drive and and her motivation for where she wanted to go.
0: Yeah for sure. Yeah.
1: One of the things that I did miss early on, so folks ask, you know, now after everything's unfolded, were were there red flags that you missed? And the the biggest red flag that I missed was that she was previously married prior to us, you know, meeting each other. So she'd briefly been married for about eight weeks and I didn't unpack that enough. I I just Mm. took her at face value that she was in a controlling and an abusive relationship, was looking for a father figure. And that's probably the biggest red flag that I missed. Yeah, that's a huge one, isn't it? Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, for sure. And for all you young men out there that are looking for spouses, you're single right now. And the same goes for all you young ladies out there. Take your time to truly get to know the person. And if you see a red flag, do not look past it. Please do not look past it. I used to do this all the time in my dating relationships. I would look past red flags and just because I was enamored by the person in front of me. And just like you, JD, like I was attracted. And, and this is going to be real. I was raised in dysfunction. It was a loving home, but there was a lot of dysfunction, right? right? And the dysfunction that was instilled in me as a young boy, I brought into my adult life and the dysfunction within me was attracted to the dysfunction within the other person. I didn't know that. I didn't know how to articulate that. I just thought, man, she's hot. She's fiery. She's passionate. Like, man, I just, I like her, right? I, I want, I want to be with her. And what I didn't realize was that all that fiery passion was actually uh, daddy issues. Yes. Um, yeah, just uh, a lot of hurt and, and childhood trauma in these girls that I was dating. And it would come out as this fiery, controlling, fun, very fun um, yep. personalities. And, and man, I was like, the dysfunction to me was like, yes, this is the girl. And I would fall for them. And then once I got deep, man, like they would turn. And it it would be like a switch would just flip and I would see this other side, this angry side, this vindictive side in a lot of them, one that would want to hurt me or, or uh, just had maliciousness in them um, or false accusations. And they would come at me and I'd be like, what, like, what are you talking about? Like, it was so foreign to me. So I'm sharing my story right now, even though this is all about you, because I want BC nation, I want you to see, we all have the same stories, just different combinations. Right. Right. So, JD, did you have a run of dating these this
1: profile of girl? No, that's the other. Well, I don't want to call it a mistake, but that's one of the things is that prior to her, I only had one one other serious relationship. So, uh, so my track record and my experience in the dating world was was limited. And the other mistake, well, I'll call it a mistake. The other mistake that I made was at the age of twenty six. We dated for about a year and a half, and for me, which again was it was an issue that the, the cl- I thought the clock was ticking. You're twenty six, almost twenty seven. You know, it's probably time to settle down, maybe get married. Um, and I, I remember some hesitation as I was driving to the church to get married, to be honest with you, that mm-hmm. I thought, mm, do I really want to be doing this? Uh, but I don't don't have any regrets, you know, looking back it, it, and got two beautiful children out of it. And we had a happy marriage for 17 years. But my dating experience was extremely limited. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. OK, so let's fast forward now into the marriage. We're 17 years in. It's a happy, good marriage. And then all of a sudden a switch flips. Yep.
1: Yeah in your spouse, yeah. what flipped it? Do you know, looking back? I, I believe, I, and so I talk about it in the book. I think the, the tipping point for her, so you, you mentioned daddy issues and there certainly were some there. She was estranged from her father for 10 years when, when, when I met her. Um, she played her father up as a deadbeat dad. Ironically, he lived in Tampa, Florida, but uh, she, she played her father up as a deadbeat dad and they reconnected when our son was five or six. But she was estranged from him for 10 years. They reconnected, we had a relationship with him, which I supported. It was a superficial relationship at best on her part. Uh, but he suddenly passed away in, in 2007 from a, from a massive heart attack. Then his life partner, Brad, so it turns out her father was, was gay and you know came out of the closet when she was two years old. So there were definitely some abandonment issues, I believe. And then I think the toxic emotion of guilt is what put her over the edge. When she lost her father and then Two or three years later, his life partner, who she had been very close to, he also passed away at a relatively young age. And I know based on evidence that I would uncover later, that is when she she turned to, to drugs. So everything that she was accusing me of doing, she was actually doing. But it was in it was in 2010 when when that began that her accusations against me started out of nowhere, out of the blue. There was nothing, you know, none of none of my actions would lead her to believe that that I actually was doing any, anything outside of our marriage.
0: So just to clarify, you were faithful in <coughs> marriage, correct? Absolutely. A- absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And this is a very common story. And I know it's so deep and, and personal to you. However, it's, it is very common, this story. And, and that is we accuse others of the very things we don't like in ourselves.
1: Right.
0: So BC nation look around you. Like, what do you complain about in other people often? Then look in the mirror. Is that the very thing you don't like about yourself? Are you accusing others falsely because you feel guilty about some of the actions you're doing or the way you're living your life? And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm saying that for you to take a good, hard look and then run to God with it and ask him to help you because you're headed down a road of pain and suffering if you're not already in it and you're probably going to hurt the people you love. So you got to stop it. You got to nip it in the bud. So if this speaks to you in any way, like we're going to give you a, what to do. We're going to give you some action steps, uh, JD and I. So JD, continue on with your story here. So uh, she has this, this uh, traumatic event of losing her dad And then, uh, you know, his life partner, you know, in a homosexual lifestyle uh, that she was also very close with that somehow spikes all the guilt and abandonment and everything else from childhood all the way through. It flips a switch. And I'm guessing she's a good woman. Right. So it's this involuntary thing that happens in her. She doesn't even know it's on a subconscious level. So she runs to, uh, you know, comforts herself somehow to self soothe, which we do as humans. Right. And, And her poison was
1: drugs what happens next yeah so when the accusations began and ultimately that that was that was my undoing so she as you as you read in the, the the intro she was playing she was pulling on the trust card and her, her biggest mantra between her and her mother was that we never had trust in the marriage so um there were a couple of lies in the marriage which i'm open and honest about in the book that, that i lied about drinking too much on a business trip in new orleans which she resurrected from 15 years ago and then at times I would hide cigarettes from from my wife and from my kids and I would lie about it. So she pulled on those two things and, and really gaslit me to the point where I started to think that maybe I was the reason for the demise of the marriage. You know, maybe maybe there was never trust in our marriage because of some of the lies that I had early on. And so you start taking that on. You start believing it because the biggest the other the other issue that, that I had was I told nobody about it. Nobody knew about what was going on in the marriage. My large extended family, friends, nobody knew what was going on. I stayed on an island and I confided in nobody. And ultimately that was my undoing. And I would end up in a psychiatric facility, um, hollowed out and got caught up in the broken mental health care system, got caught up in the broken medical system where I had my family practitioner at the time involuntarily commit me to a psychiatric facility Mm. based based on the premise that he thought I had bipolar disorder. I was misdiagnosed with bipolar too.
0: Yeah. So JD,
1: mm-hmm.
0: why did you not reach out and confide in someone as you're going through this? Well, it was a crucifixion really in your marriage. It's a putting to death your marriage, right? right. Um, and just the pain and the accusations. And I know we're men and men, we just don't want to ask for help. We we go to isolation and cause that's where the enemy wants us. Yeah. It's easy to take one man out when he's standing by himself. So why did, what was going on inside of you? What was the thought process or the negative self-talk where you're like, I need to confide in someone, even just to, you know, a sounding board, but I'm not going to.
1: Uh, Cause I think I got caught up looking with inside myself. Um, I became self, you know, when you say somebody self, self self-absorbed, it's negative, but I became self-absorbed trying to look in the mirror and really look to see if in fact I was the reason for what was, what was happening, you know? Um, and perhaps it was maybe a little bit of shame. Maybe Again, I just was I was truly trying to figure out what was going on, what prompted all of this. Where did these accusations come from? And then ultimately, my daughter would also get involved. She was alienated from me for two years. She was 15 and very gullible at the time. And so I felt like truly I was on an island. But it was a mistake that I made to, to, to not confide in anybody. That's ultimately what caused me to get locked in on my misperception of who I was as a man, who I was as a husband, and as a father. So I lost sight of all of that. Mm-hmm. I, surrendered, I surrendered my identity. Wow. Yeah.
0: What would you say to BC Nation right now, to a man who's in this type of marriage, or a woman who's in this type of marriage, they're being accused of things that they know they're not doing, they're not guilty of, but they're starting to doubt themselves because they've heard the lie for so long now.
1: Yeah, I would think, again, two things, really kind of confide in somebody else. Have a sounding board or a confidant that you could you could turn to. And ultimately, I would turn to the church. I would turn to a deacon. I would turn to priest. We would go to therapy. Um, so recognize that, but do what you can to try to stay true to yourself. Don't, I mean, recognize your faults, right? There, there were there were things that I did in the marriage that obviously she was able to pull on and really begin to bury me with. But um, yeah, I, I lost sight of all the good qualities that in, in me um yeah but the biggest issue is not to, to find somebody to talk to that you can confide in and ultimately that that would happen I would have an army that would surround me once I was in a psychiatric facility I had a couple of my brothers kind of come to my rescue because they wanted to figure out what in the hell was going on um and I'm glad they came to town even though I told them they had no need to come they said no 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 we're coming and man were, yeah
0: you know it's it's just as men we have such a sense of pride don't we I right. mean we're you're in a psychiatric ward like impending doom is is coming at you and you're like no I'm good man I'm good <laughs> like it's the way our brain lies to us our egos right and and you're not alone in this I yeah. speak with a lot of men in my coaching business and this is exactly what they they do how they right. show up I've done it I'm like no I'm good man I'm fine I'm working it out I'm working on it that's the famous line I'm working on it
1: we'll figure it out
0: yeah yeah. yeah, we'll figure it out alone on my own island by myself. I'll fix me. Okay, how's that working for you? Well,
1: not well. <laughs> well, because I think the other the other piece of it, Joseph, is is you, you're you you're really your mind is twisted because you're trying to figure out how the hell how the hell did you end up here? How did this happen? Yeah, you're trying to sort that out first before you can explain to somebody why you got to where you got to. You know how yeah. you ended up there, and there were yeah. there was so much. I was lacking clarity and that's why the title of the book, you know, the third gift, the third gift is what gave me clarity. I mean, that's when God intervened and finally said, here's your answer to what was going on in your marriage.
0: Tell me, tell us more about that. How did that come to pass?
1: Yeah. So spent nine days in psychiatric lockup, you know, whether it was right or wrong, I ended up staying in a marriage, a very abusive marriage. It became more abusive when I got home um, off and on. It was the, the I hate you don't leave me type mentality. Um, where they, they pull you in and smack you in the face and then set you back out again and just emotionally confuse the hell out of you. So stayed in the marriage for about seven months um, after coming out of the psychiatric facility and then um, separated. I was alien, I was manipulated out of the home and, you know, I was told to go to a hotel for a week or two, which at the time I didn't know that that meant you're never coming back into the house. So there were some other things that transpired legally that she did behind my back that forced me out of, out of my house. So Ultimately we ended up at mediation and at our first mediation is when the revelation was made in addition to, you know, trying to mediate around alimony and separation of assets and so forth. So on through the mediators, when she revealed, she accused me of giving her, you know, herpes. So, so the the third gift people say, well, the third gift's not herpes. The third gift is not herpes, but the third gift is the clarity that came along with it where this mediator dropped on the table after making their initial offer said, Oh, by the way, she wanted me to let you know that you gave her herpes. And it was at that point that, you know, you got betrayal, you got disappointment, and you got joy all at the same time wrapped into one, where I finally realized, okay, now it makes sense. She's been out running around on me because I know I haven't been with anybody. Uh, So it was a a being in the medical pharmaceutical field, I looked at the test, it was a DNA test, and she was 100% tested positive for herpes too. So that's opened my eyes and that led me to discover all sorts of things through medical claims and pharmacy claims that I had no idea I had access to as the primary cardholder for our insurance. But I spent hours and hours and hours. And that's where I uncovered the drug addiction, uncovered the fact that there were multiple STDs that she had um, and, you know, led us down the road of, of an alimony trial. Because in North Carolina, if there's proof of infidelity, there is there is no alimony. So that's when the long drawn out legal battle began and our journey through the legal system for three years, three, four years. Wow. But it was it's, it was a gift. It was a gift that that again, God really intervened and saved my life at that point and provided me with, you know, emotional freedom is what I, I like to call it. So continue. how is
0: how was your relationship with God at that point? Like you're on this island by yourself, you're boxing out your bros and, and people that love and care about you. Um, and, and it was your way of surviving because you're trying to figure it out all in your head. What the heck happened? How did I get here? Yeah. Were you speaking with God at the time? Were you spending time
1: with him? Were yes. you boxing yes. him out as well? No, no, I was spending time with him. I was asking him for clarity. um And yeah, and I was asking him for clarity. And that's what people say. Why did you stay in the marriage? You know, after you were in a psychiatric, what, why? And I'm glad I did, because had I not stuck it out, this card may never have been revealed, you know, it may never, and and I don't know where I'd be today emotionally. I don't know where my relationship with my daughter would be today. So through all of this, obviously she's now 22 years old and just graduated from college a couple of weekends ago. And uh, my relationship with my kids is, is, you know, better than it's ever been. It's outstanding, but I don't know where I'd be today without that. So I start every day just with, with gratitude that he intervened. He absolutely intervened. Hmm
0: so good bc nation remember what god says right like he will bring the the truth the truth will shine light on the lies and and bring the darkness into the light so that all can be revealed and this is this is the clarity you can't see in the darkness right and and jd's praying to god and you know i just want to say as you're going through your struggle right now whatever you're dealing with uh in a relationship of toxicity um, the biggest thing you can be doing, the best thing you can be doing is spending time with God. Even if you're boxing others out, closing your heart off to others, not letting them in to help you or love on you, do not, do not do that with God. Yeah, on right. to him. Go ahead.
1: I found a lot of peace and tranquility in, in, in church. So even even in empty church where I would just go and sit. When things would start to overwhelm me, that's where, that's where I would go.
0: Yeah, that's so but good.
1: Whatever I was, whatever city I was traveling to, whatever I was doing.
0: That's critical, right, is having that, that time with God in silence, just sitting there, even if you're saying nothing, just sitting in your father's presence yeah. or sitting in his arms and letting him comfort you. And what does he say in the Bible? He says, bring your burdens to me, yeah. like lay them on me. Stop carrying the weight of your own destiny. Right. Yeah. Like, but yet we are like, man, we're little control freaks. We're like, no, I got it. God. <laughs> Meanwhile, like our faces in the mud, we're dragging. And he's like, son, daughter, like, bring it to me. So JD, how did you come through this? How did God bring you through this um, to where not only did you have clarity and I get how important that clarity was because it showed all the lies and immediately you can make a decision as a man to say, wait a second, these STD tests, this reveals that, you know, unfortunately my wife was out cheating on me. So right there you can release all the guilt and shame of like, you're this evil person and all these accusations, maybe they're true about you. And you're like, no, they're not. They're actually revealing her right now. We're not here today, BC nation. I just want to be clear. We're not here today to kick JD's uh, ex-wife under the bus. No, no, no. This is, this woman is a daughter of God. That is not easy to see sometimes. When they're covered in dysfunction. There's a person in your life right now, as you're listening right now, who is covered in dysfunction, like covered in mud, and you just can't see them anymore. But you must believe they're in there. And they are deserving of God's mercy and love and compassion and forgiveness as much as you. Even if you're self-righteous and they've, <laughs> their sins are very obvious. And, and this is something I just challenge all of us to do is to look past the hurt that they're causing you and to see the precious child that's hurting the child of God uh, that was wounded as a child, right? I mean look at look at the stuff she went through with her dad and I'm not giving her a free pass by any means. Her adult decisions are hers. they belong to her. But look at how she started out in life. like set up not to win, let's be real. So JD, how do you look at her today?
1: I, I, well, and I wanted to, there was a quote that I read in a book, you know, four or five years ago when I was starting to go through it and was one that really kind of smacked me between the eyes. Um, the quote said, you only love God as much as you love the one you like the least. And that happened that I read that quote, like two to three weeks after the accusation and then after the reveal, uh, but to answer your question directly just the way i look at it for me today it's 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 empathy it's sympathy and it's quite frankly it's sadness because she you know she had a she had a ton of promise and and she was a good wife and was a good mother for 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 17 years and and lost her way so there's no anger there's no hatred i've, I've never had any anger or hatred towards her because the emotions of, of gratitude the emotions of emotional freedom uh there was left no room for anger or hatred towards her. Yeah.
0: Now it's so difficult to forgive someone that's hurt you so much. And for so long, have you been able to do that with her? Like Absolutely. to look her in the eye and say, I forgive you.
1: I haven't seen her. So um, I haven't, I've had, I've had no communication with her in over three years. I haven't seen her probably in five years. Uh, but if I were to run into, yeah, I, I, I would, I would let her know that, that I forgive her. And and sadly, that's all, that's all my, our kids don't really have a relationship with her anymore. Uh, They're young adults now, but that's, they, they all know the truth, but that's all they want. They, they, they forgive their mother. They just want her to own what she's done so they could have some type of relationship, but she doesn't have the mental capacity to do that. But if I were to cross paths with her, yeah, absolutely. I would let her know I've forgiven her and I forgave her mother way back when, I mean, three, four years ago, I quickly got to forgiveness with both of them. Wow. Because of the fact that they set me free. Yeah. And because of the fact that I had the truth and I was able to get my feet back under me and, you know, and continue to grow.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's so good. Right. And, and sometimes we forget that forgiveness, not only it's not so much about setting the other person free. Sometimes it's setting ourselves free first. Yes. Yes. And this is God's way. The way you get set free from the hurt that's been done to you, BC Nation, is you forgive the person who hurt you. There's no other way around it. This is God's way. This is why while Jesus is hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He sets the example. He forgives the perpetrator that hung him on the cross, which is you and I. And he says, do the same. So forgive that spouse, forgive that sibling, forgive that parent that hurt you so long ago. And you will be set free until you do that. You're still carrying it. Yeah. And God wants to release you. Is there anything you want to say around that, JD? Just
1: that it's just that it's it's it was cathartic to be able to just to to recognize that she Her actions are driven by something else. The the, the other piece that I had to get some, seek some religious counsel on is wrapping your head around the fact that the devil is indeed real, right? Yeah. Satan was once an angel too, right? But I, I, I I knew that, right? I know evil exists. We see it. we, We live it. We see it. But when, when you're laying next to it and you've spent 25 years with it, it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that somebody could be just that evil. Because the other thing that I, I haven't mentioned yet, and there, there's a lot to the story, but the other thing I would discover, Joseph, after I'd been out of the house about a year, she was also poisoning me with arsenic. So I, that was the reason for the weight loss and a lot of the medical symptoms that I began to experience You know, when, when our marriage started to unravel. So there was one discovery after another. And by the time I discovered that, didn't even, it didn't even really phase me. It's just like, oh, well, okay. She was poisoning me with arsenic on top of everything else.
0: So like you found evidence of that, just to
1: clarify, of arsenic? Yeah, I, like- I had a positive hair and nail test. So I had a lot, I, I had a long medical journey trying to figure out why I was having some of the symptoms I was having, why some of my blood work was off, um, whether it was white blood cell counts. I mean, I, I was tested for leukemia, early onsets of uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, Parkinson's. They couldn't find anything until I got to a liver specialist and shared with him some of my story, told him I had I had a blood test done for heavy metals poisoning and he said, well, a blood test won't pick that up. It'll pick up acute exposure, but it won't pick up chronic exposure. So he did a hair and nail test and confirmed that indeed I had been chronically exposed to arsenic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: BC nation. I want to say this and JD, I I heard you, I heard what you said. One of the most difficult things to do is to separate the precious son and daughter of God Um, who's hurting you uh, and doing evil to you from the evil itself. Sometimes we look at them and we call them evil. They're not, they're hurting human just like the rest of us, but they're allowing evil to happen through them and they don't know better. It's a blind spot, right? They're hurting that bad. And the enemy is the real perpetrator. And I just want to bring that into light because the enemy likes to hide behind people. He's a coward and he does not want to be seen. That's where his power is. So as your wife is poisoning you with arsenic, it's very easy to look at her and call her evil. When in fact, she's not. She's just a hurt child that's doing evil things. Right. The enemy is the one that's like whispering lies in her eye, in her ears that you can't trust him. He's going to hurt you. You better hurt him first, yeah. right? He's going to leave you. You better make, abandon him first. He's going to cheat on you. You better cheat on him first. These are the lies that are happening in the other person. And it's all the enemy. So I want to say that because that's a very, very, very important distinction. And we want the enemy to take all the blame, not the person. Yes, the person is responsible for their actions, but they're not at fault. And and, and I know that's a, a little play on words, but when it's blind spots and it's hurts and trauma from childhood and they have no control over it, for the most part, it's happening on a subconscious level. They're not at fault. Technically, they are responsible sometimes legally, for yeah. their behavior. So we're not, we're not letting them off the hook, but it's very important. It, and, and the reason why this distinction is critical, it allows you to release blaming, right? Because blame gets you nowhere. Blame, the enemy loves when we blame others because we never then set them free and we never set ourselves free. We all just stay and, and devour our own poison of hatred towards people.
1: Yep. So
0: remove the blame. That's, that's my main point there. Thank you for letting me say that, JD. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? And
1: I know no, that's yeah. tough the way I'm presenting that. No, I, I absolutely agree with it. I absolutely agree with it. I, I would add that, that, that free will is a dangerous tool, right? It's a very dangerous tool. And it's an easier path to go down to try to destroy others than trying to build yourself up or to recognize your, your faults or your areas of development. It's easier to project that on somebody else. It's easier to make excuses. It's easier to play the victim card. It takes a lot less energy. Yeah. If you think about it, it takes a lot less energy to destroy a building than to build one.
0: Yes, it does. And it's a lot faster. It's a lot faster. It's yeah. a lot faster too. JD, let's move uh, past this. Sure. What is God doing in your life now? Like, what does he have for you? Like, is there a purpose that's been revealed like through this story, what are you up to now, brother?
1: Well, so in addition to my, in addition to my you know, full-time job in, in, in the pharmaceutical industry, so I'm, I'm using this book and I'm using it uh, to try to give back to others and to try to do some good for others. So I'm working right now. I'm looking for some, some additional collaborative. I know fundraising is your area of expertise going back to when you were 19 years old. But That was so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm looking to be able to take some of the proceeds from the book and do some good for others. So I'm working for working with a Mercy, an area called Mercy Center for Women out of Pennsylvania, donating a percentage of the proceeds back to them. It's a center for abused and victimized women uh, that are trying to get back, homeless women at times trying to get back on their feet. And I'm looking to do some other collaborations with some former military, some organizations that support former military folks struggling with PTSD and substance abuse. So I'm not only looking to share the, you know my message of hope and encouragement but hopefully one day have the financial means to do a lot of good for other folks. Because during my darkest days, I had a lot of wonderful people step up, were not only generous with me financially, but also emotionally. They gave up their time uh, unselfishly to me. And, and that was a lot of people that the good Lord put in my life to walk with me to, and my kids to get to the other side of this. So, so I'm hoping J- to get back is my mission.
0: Yeah, I hear you. JD, I acknowledge you for <laughs> committing to put funds towards women that resemble your ex-wife. You know, that's very, that, that honestly, that, that, um, that, that surprises me mm. in a good way. Okay. I was expecting to hear like, you're going to, you know, put it towards causes and charities that help men and like, you know, in relationships where they're being falsely accused, et cetera, to recover, to get through it, therapy, counseling, et cetera. But instead you said, no, I want to help the women that are in those situations yep. that were abandoned by their dads or their moms or whatever that are now carrying all that dysfunction in them. I want to help them. Yep. I want to help people like my wife, like, bro, <laughs> that's beautiful, man. That's right. beautiful. That's God right there. Yep. That tells me you're healed. Like that's evidence that you're healed. It's a beautiful story. And, and I ask that God um, blesses you with abundance, financial abundance to do exactly that. And that he increases and multiplies your book um, to really uh, have massive impact uh, in the world, in these areas, because these are very real struggles that we deal with.
1: Well, in, thank you, in, in, yeah, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. And just know that he's here right now listening, because we're speaking about God. God's getting the glory for your story. And let me be clear. This ain't your story. This is God's story wow. happening through your life. Right, it's his story of love and mercy and forgiveness and redemption. Yeah, and 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 you sh- you showed up, man. You fought the good fight. You're through it. You're out the other end, and now you're gonna teach others how to do it, how to get through it. It's all God, bro. So um,
1: without a doubt, without a doubt, yeah, yeah, really
0: well done. All right. So, um, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up the show here? Anything we missed that you want to say to BC Nation?
1: The, the final thought would be. Gratitude, right? So for me, gratitude gratitude saved saved my life too. So and on some of the darkest days, when you want to sit back and question, and you want to fall into victimhood, and you want you want to be absorbed in self pity, you recognize that you've got to sit down and count your blessings, and recognize that what you're going through, other people's struggles are far worse. And this is was the message I carried to my kids as they struggled throughout their college and high school careers with this with this whole nightmare. Is the the foundation of gratitude. Uh, and recognize what you have versus focusing on what you've lost or would have been taken away from you. Absolutely. Excuse me while my
0: alarm on my phone goes off. Sure. <laughs> you got to love that. I just started a new uh, eating regimen. So it's reminding me it's time to eat. Look at that. I'm just saying it live on my show because that's what I do. All right. So welcome, uh, JD, to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. This is where I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. It's just for fun. Are okay. you ready, sir? Sure. What's your favorite thing about God?
1: He's, he's, he's all-knowing.
0: Yeah. What's your least favorite thing about God?
1: Uh, the time frame in which he reveals his answers. <laughs>
0: yeah. God, could I get the clarity like a year ago? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Um, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life, which is part of the human condition. you shared a lot of your previous struggles. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally?
1: Um, I think nothing, nothing professionally. I think, I think on the personal front is true clarity on, on, on the purpose, the true purpose going forward. I think I know what it is, but what does it actually, what does it actually look like? Yeah, I get that. What What are you you most afraid of? What am I most afraid of? I I don't, I don't believe it or not. I don't, I don't fear anything.
0: After what you've been through. I think I believe you. Yeah. (laughs) What do you, what did you spend way too much time doing this past year?
1: Um, that's a great question,
0: huh? That's why I get the big bucks.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, provocative questions. What I, I, I would probably have to say promoting the book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it. Yeah. Uh, what secret fear do you have about people?
1: Um, mm, I've moved beyond it. I'm, I'm, I'm my, my technician who's in the room with me, but I, but I, but I've moved beyond it and I'm, I'm growing in that area. Initially it was being able to trust again. Yeah. 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 Being able to fully see people and recognize that they don't have hidden agendas.
0: Yeah. Are you there yet? If you were being totally honest or not yet, I am there now. Yes, I am. That's awesome. Praise God, man. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God?
1: I think I, 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 I think I shouldn't have taken him for granted at times. Hmm. I think when things, when things were good and stable in life and in my marriage and things are great, my life is great, but when you get comfortable and complacent, I think I lost sight of the fact that those blessings were from him. I mean, my faith was always good, but he was on the back burner. Now he's, he's front and center. He's front and center. And I start my day with him. Um, and yeah, so I, I, you become complacent you become arrogant perhaps and humility takes a step back and that's when he taps you on the shoulder to remind you who's who's in charge here i love it well said sometimes he punches you in the face he doesn't tap you on the shoulder but
0: listen you've been punched and kicked my friend i've been punched and kicked i say god has used a two by four on the back of my head more times than i can count because yeah. I'm stubborn, right? Like I, I was the little control freak. So God gets our attention. And for me, yeah. I learned through pain, not pleasure. So, like right. God will use whatever means because He loves us. Pick three words. Um, actually, before that, what's a new habit you want to create in your life?
1: Uh, continue to uh well, I'm 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 on that journey, but continue to uh consistently exercise, you know, fitness.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. What's a bad habit you want to break? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cigarettes. I've got to. I've got to put the cigarettes away.
0: Yeah. What are you doing, man? You're a temple of God. That's like graffitiing his temple. I don't why, know. Why are you disrespecting your father like that, man? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Pick three words to describe who you are now. Uh, joyful, grateful, blessed. Yeah. Pick three words to describe who you were before you
1: surrendered all of this to God. Uh, perhaps at times arrogant, uh, overconfident, um, and complacent.
0: Yeah. Deadly combination, isn't it? Yes. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends, your kids in the eyes and tell them only one piece of advice about life, eternity, all of it. What would you say to
1: them? To live, to live for eternity, That this, this isn't heaven. We're just past, we're just passing through. If I'm coming back from eternity, to share with them all the, all the joys and all the light that there is on the other side.
0: Yeah. Keep going. In a few years, it won't matter. Keep right. going. Any right. final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about seeking real relationship with God and not taking him for granted?
1: I would say that when adversity comes in whatever form, because we will all face it, to absolutely pick it up and embrace it. You're not going to be able to run from it. And there is so much more that you can learn from it. Awesome. learn a ton from it.
0: And JD, where does BC Nation go to pick up your book or learn more about you or connect with you if they so, so choose?
1: Well, I am on on Instagram at, at the third gift, on Facebook at the third gift, on TikTok at the third gift, and then my, my website, thirdgift.com. The book is available through Ballast Books. That's B-A-L-L-A-S-T, books. And then also Amazon Target, all of your you know major online retailers. Just to clarify the website again, please go ahead thirdgift.com. So the third gift was taken. So my domain for the website is different than than some of my social media platforms. So okay, it's got it.
0: Really so good. I misspoke earlier in the show in the introduction of BC Nation. So it's not the third gift. It's thirdgift.com, okay. thirdgift.com. Thank you for that correction, JD. JD, I wish you God's love, peace and joy in your life, sir.
1: Thank you, my friend. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I and, uh, appreciate the inspiration that you're bringing into my life today. So thank you for what you're doing and continue to do it.